Good morning. Ah, oh, love it. Stand and sing with us, if you will.
Amen. Awesome. Thank you so much, worship team. Good morning, Kavanaugh Church family. How's everyone doing? Man, it's so good to see you all. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We are so glad that you are here. You guys could have been anywhere else this morning, but you chose to be here this morning. And, and guess what? There is no denying it. God is in this place, and he has some special stuff for us this morning. There's no doubt about it, because my God is still in the business of making sure that he is known and that people know him and that he is redeeming those and, and seeking and saving those who are lost. So we pray for God's work to be done in this place today and that you are open and receptive to his glorious work because, man, it is, it's going to be a good morning. But if you are a first-time guest today, uh, welcome. This is our church and we love it here and uh, we're so glad that you could be here with us. Um, and what I would love for you to do is on the back of the chair in front of you, say that five times fast. Um, there's a little connect card, and we, what we would love for you to do is to fill that out and uh, turn it into this little table right out the back door here. Uh, you give us that, we'll give you a coffee mug and free Chick-fil-A, and you can't, there's no better way to do it uh, than that. So again, thank you so much for joining us today, and uh, we hope that you love it. Um, I'm going to invite you all to stand, and we're just going to ask God's anointing on our services today. So good to see you all. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, and again, thank you so much for bringing us back together. Um, you surely do have something in store for us today, and I pray that we are ready and willing to hear it and to learn more about you, God. You call us to be a, a light in a dark world. And Lord, I pray that you encourage us, you uh, uh, give us the strength and the confidence to be just that, God, because it is a big task. It's a lot of responsibility, but through you, we can do all things. Give us that strength today. Give us that courage today. We love you so much. And Lord, I lift up my pastor. We love him and so thankful for the work that he has put into this message today. Lord, give him the words to, that you want him to speak and uh, the strength to do so as well. And Lord, prepare our hearts so we can be the people that you want us to be in your name. Amen. Let's continue to praise.
wonderful name, and Angie asked me to say something, and what she doesn't know is I took this from three pages to one. Um, but um, Jesus' name bears his entire identity, and we've been singing about it all morning. Um, it's built upon the fact that he saves. Jesus is the name to which every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess. And you know, there's multiple instances in the Bible that describe the miracles of Jesus, the healing of the mental, the emotional, the physical problems, even casting out demons. John 1.17 says, unfailing love and faithfulness comes through Jesus Christ. Acts 10.36 says, there is peace with God through Jesus. Then it continues in verse 40 to talk about, uh, but God raised him from the dead and caused him to be seen. So today, do you need healing? Do you need peace? Do you need love? Do you need grace? Do you need forgiveness? Do you need chains to be broken? Do you need pain to be taken? Are you weary? Are you worn out? Are you tired? Do you need hope? Do you need someone to have to hear you cry? Wipe your eyes? Are you fighting demons this morning? Mac Powell says, if that's the case, if you're, if you're in need of anything, then all we have to do is cry out to Jesus. What a beautiful name that is. Say the name of Jesus. You can find whatever you need. He is all things. Our song this morning says, death could not hold him. He silences the boast of sin and the grave. The heavens are roaring the praise of his glory. And so should we. We should be roaring in here this morning. He has no rival. He has no equal. The name of Jesus is powerful. And to claim all that Jesus is, was, and ever will be, it's easy. You just have to speak the beautiful name of Jesus because you know what? Nothing can stand against that beautiful name.
Father, I'm so thankful for your beautiful name, your powerful name, your wonderful name. It fills us with awe and wonder, Father. I'm so thankful that your presence is here with us this very moment and this very day. Father, I just pray that you move among us and speak to our hearts this morning. And as we have lifted you up in praise, just draw us all near to you, I pray. Father, I pray that you be with Brother Will. Give him the words that we need to hear this morning that you would have us to hear. And help us, Father, to, to hear and to heed and to follow through with whatever it is you're calling us out to do this morning. I'm just thankful once again for your presence for your beautiful, wonderful, and powerful name. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen and amen. Good morning, Kavanaugh. Everybody good? Fantastic. Thank you, praise team. Uh, I know we just prayed, but you know what? We can never pray too much, can we? I, I want to pray a special prayer this morning, and I'm going to ask the Lord to speak directly into your heart. Um, I'm going to share some things with you this morning from God's Word that I think we desperately need as individuals, as a family, as a church, and as a country, and I'm going to ask that as I pray for you, that you would pray, and just simply say, Lord, speak to me, speak to me today. Would you do that? Heavenly Father, I do love you. Thank you for the songs of praise that we have lifted up to heaven, and I pray, dear Lord, that your Holy Spirit would fill this room. Lord, as I try to speak on the outside, I pray that you would speak into our hearts Deliver this word from God to us today. Lord, I pray that you would just convict us and change us and comfort us and challenge us to be the people that you've called us to be. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Hey, I don't know if you know what tomorrow is. Anybody know what tomorrow, August what? August 15th. Uh, Brother Ray has a birthday tomorrow and so do I. Uh, tomorrow I officially become an old man. 61 years old. Can you believe that? You know, it just seems like yesterday that I was having birthday parties that I looked forward to. <laughs> Y'all remember that when you were a kid, you just couldn't wait, and then you kind of get to an age where it's no big deal, and now you get to an age where you don't like to see them coming, man. I mean, it, it, it's horrible. The most significant thing I can say about my birthday tomorrow is that it marks over 40 years in ministry. For 40 years, I've been a, a paid youth pastor, pastor, 40 years of my life. I guess what's even more significant than that, I have been preaching over 50 years. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, if you've been preaching 50 years, you ought to be a whole lot better than you are. And, and I would wholeheartedly agree with that, and I want you to know I'm trying. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to get better these last years that I have. But there's one constant that has been in my life since I've been a pastor, and that is this subject of revival. I'm, 
I'm keenly interested in revivals, both biblical revivals and revivals throughout church history. And I am convinced that only a great far-reaching revival can save our nation from moral and political destruction. Now, I am in favor of Christians getting involved in politics. I think, I think that is a good thing. And, and I wholeheartedly believe that the church should take a stand on political issues that have moral ramifications. But you need to understand that the answer to our nation's problems is not in a political agenda. Our root problem is not political, it is spiritual. And only a spiritual revival is going to turn the moral tide of our nation. We need revival. Now, what am I talking about when I use the word revival? Well, what I'm not talking about is just a a series of meetings or a week of revival in a church. Really, churches don't even have revivals like that anymore. Boy, we used to, you know. I can remember having a week-long revival or in... Midland, Texas, we would have two-week revivals. Lasted two weeks. And mom, dad, do you remember that one two-week time period in the summer where Bobby Jackson from North Carolina brought his entire family to our church for a two-week revival, and they stayed in our house? Can you imagine that? Have a, have a preacher's family in your house for two weeks? Well, I tell you what, I don't know if we were revived or backslidden after that, but it was... That's not what I'm talking about. The term revival refers to a special movement of God in which the church is dramatically refocused and revitalized with ensuing conviction and there is conversion of lost sinners. Scholars tell us that there are 16 different revivals described for us in the Bible. And the greatest book on biblical revival is the book of 2 Chronicles. This book gives us the biblical formula for revival and then describes five different revivals that occurred under five different Old Testament kings. The formula for revival is found in the words spoken by the Lord on the occasion of the dedication of the temple. Uh, You'll remember in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, they dedicated this new edifice to the Lord and, and the people dedicated it to God. And then in the last part of that chapter, God spoke. And he gave us the formula for revival. Here it is, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. God said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. And I tell you what, if if we want our land to be healed, if we want our sins forgiven, if we want God to hear our prayers, then we must obey this formula. We need to humble ourselves before Almighty God. We need to pray earnestly for revival. We need to seek God's face as never before. And we need to turn from our wicked ways. And when we do that, we will experience revival. 
The rest of 2 Chronicles illustrates this formula for us by describing five different revivals that swept over the land of Judah. I don't have time to look at all five of those revivals, but I would like to spend a little bit of time this morning talking about the last, the final, the fifth revival that occurred under the kingship of Josiah. It's recorded in 2 Chronicles chapter 34 and 35, and because of time, we're just going to look at what happened in chapter 34. We notice these five characteristics of biblical revival. Characteristic number one, biblical revival comes just in the nick of time. Verse 1 of chapter 34, Josiah was eight years old when he became king. That's pretty young, isn't it? That's pretty young. What is that, a second grader? That's pretty young to become king of the nation. Why so young? Well, it was because of the fact that his father and his grandfather were among some of the most wicked men in the Bible. His father was so evil that his servants conspired against him to kill him when little Josiah was only eight years old. I want you to look at some of the previous verses in the preceding chapter that describe his grandfather and also his father. Chapter 33, verse 1, talks about Josiah's granddaddy, Manasseh. He was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned for 55 years in Jerusalem. But he did, what is that word? Evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. For he rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah his father had broken down. And he raised up altars for the bells and made wooden images and worshiped all the hosts of heaven and served them. He also built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, In Jerusalem shall my name be forever. And he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. Also he caused his sons to pass through the fire in the valley of the sons of Hinnom. He practiced soothsaying, used witchcraft and sorcery. He consulted mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord. He provoked almighty God to anger. The last part of this chapter tells us that his son, who would be Josiah's father, continued the same immoral practices of his father. He only, lived, he only reigned for two years because he was so detestable, his servants killed him. And amongst the greatest evils that he participated in is the practice of child sacrifice in the fires of the Valley of Hinnom. So both Josiah's daddy and granddaddy practiced this great evil. They would take their babies, their infants, their children, and sacrifice them on an altar of fire to a false god. How corrupt, how perverted, how detestable. You know what? Our world and our nation are just about in the same shape today. We've been sacrificing our children on the fire of passion since 1973. 
The church is not much better. Churches in America today, today are ordaining homosexuals as ministers. They're marrying homosexuals in their sanctuary. And, and, and can I just tell you, that's happening in Baptist churches. In many of the churches in America today, this morning, the Bible is not being preached as the inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of God. Millions of Americans are caught up in internet pornography, and our entertainment industry is dragging our culture into this pit of moral destruction. There is a growing interest today, just as it was in the days of Manasseh, 2 Chronicles chapter 33, in the occult and witchcraft and demonism. If there was ever a time when we need revival, it is today. Amen. Sometimes I watch the news and I get so aggravated, I think to myself, can it get worse? And the next day it gets worse. Don't give up hope. God is still on the throne. Our God is still in control. And when we pray and humble ourselves and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, then just in the nick of time, God can do something amazing. I'm not going to give up hope, and I pray you don't either. Number two, revival often begins in the heart of a single in individual. And what is amazing to me is most of the time that single individual is a teenager. Look at verses 1 and 2 of 2 Chronicles 34 again. Josiah was only eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And he walked in the ways of his father, ancestor David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or even to the left. Can I tell you, this is absolutely remarkable. I mean, wake up, church. This is amazing. This little boy's father had been one of the most evil men in Judah's history. His grandfather had been a horribly wicked king. All of the royal court around him was corrupt. And here he was, eight years old, surrounded by wicked advisors, and yet God gave this boy an upright heart. Even as a child, he sought God. You try to tell me that kids are not important. They are of the utmost importance. And I am so thankful to be a part of a church that thanks a whole lot of kids. But those back there in We Worship and in Kids Church, they are awesome. You know what? We ought to be giving them our best. Our teenagers are awesome. We, we need to invest in them. And I was reminded this morning, you know what? School starts for many of them tomorrow. Don't let me forget, when we give the invitation today, I want you to come as families and parents and grandparents. You need to be praying for your kids. 
as they go back to school. They are going to school in a hostile environment. We need to pray not only for their protection, but we need to pray that God would use them in a mighty way. Here is a little eight-year-old boy with wickedness all around him, yet God had captured this little boy's heart. And he had a heart for God. Let me, let me read on. Look at verse 3. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his ancestor David. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images. He would have been 16 years old. When all this took place, 16 years old, just got his chariot license. <laughs> Couldn't even vote yet. You know, many of the great revivals in history have been started by teenagers. When God gets a hold of a group of teenagers, he can use them to change the world. It was about 100 years ago, there was a young college student in Wales. His name was Evan Roberts, and he had a heart for God. He had a heart for revival. God called him to preach, and so he asked the headmaster of his college if he could be gone during the weekend to go back to his home village and preach at his home church. They had invited him to come preach, and so the headmaster gave him permission. He went back home to preach his very first sermon, sermon number one that he had ever preached. 17 people were there. He had four points. Number one, confess any known sin to God and put away any wrong that has been done to others. Number two, put away any doubtful habit. Number three, obey the Holy Spirit of God promptly. And number four, confess faith in Jesus Christ openly. He gave the invitation. Guess how many people came forward? 17. Revival broke out in that church that day in that small village in Wales. And listen, within three months, 100,000 people got saved and joined churches in Wales. It spread around the globe, and the years of 1905 and 1906 became revival years in our world. In fact, 1905 represents the last, get that, the last worldwide revival that this earth has ever experienced. And everyone traces the roots of it back to this young man, a college student in Wales, whose name was Evan Roberts. The Bible says that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking someone whose heart is loyal to him. Whether it's a 61-year-old man or a 16-year-old kid, God is looking for somebody who loves the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. He's looking for someone who's going to stand in the gap. He's looking for someone who is going to intercede. He's looking for someone who has a heart after God. And you know what? It could be a teenager. Revival usually begins in the heart of one person who is fully devoted to the Lord God Almighty. I, I, I've got to wonder. Will that be you?
Could that happen right here at Kavanaugh Church? Maybe in the heart of a teenager? Number three, revival involves pulling down idols and strongholds in your life. Look at verses three through seven. In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, all of the wooden images, the carved images, the molded images. They broke down the altars of the bells in his presence, and the incense altars which were above them he cut down. And the wooden images, the carved images, the molded images, he broke in pieces and made dust of them and scattered it on the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He also burned the bones of the priest on their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And so he did in the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, as far as Naphtali and all around with axes. And when he had broken down the altars and the wooden images and had beaten the carved images into powder and cut down all the incense altars throughout all the land of Israel, he went back home to Jerusalem. This young man, Josiah, became a one-man wrecking crew and destroyed all the idols and images in his kingdom. Now, you know where I'm going with this, don't you? We have idols in our kingdom. Whether it be in your own heart or your own home, anything that comes before the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives is an idol. And, and I know how it happens because it's happened to me. It can be anything. It can be anything as innocent as a golf club or a bass boat or crafts, anything, clothes, cars, any, it could be another person. Anytime we allow anything or anyone to become first place in our lives, it becomes an idol because first place belongs to God. God and God alone. Revival begins when we make up our minds that we are going to wage war against the idols that are robbing us of our affection for Almighty God. And we do something about it. You know what? Here's the deal. As I was saying that, your mind told you what your idol is. And if it's not officially become an idol, you, you thought of that thing, whatever it is, you thought of that thing that you're putting before God. And God is reminding you today, you know, no, don't, don't let that become your idol. You need to tear that thing down. Put it in its proper perspective. Are you with me? Nothing wrong with golf clubs, nothing wrong with guns, nothing wrong with crafts, quilts, whatever it is your thing is, nothing wrong with that in its proper place. Wife, husband, kids, grandkids, dogs. I hadn't talked to you lately about JoJo. JoJo's about the smartest dog I think in the entire universe, the cutest dog that's ever lived. But you know what? Sometimes we even let 
little dogs and animals and cats and critters become first place in our life. God says, no, that, that is for me. You come to a place where you realize that, you put everything in proper perspective, and the number one thing in your life is God. And then something started happening in this story in 2 Chronicles. Number four, revival releases renewed resources. Here's what happened. It's kind of an unbelievable response to tearing down idols. The people started tithing. They started supporting the work of God financially. You see, that the money was used to repair and renovate the temple of God, which had become dilapidated and broken down under the reign of these other wicked kings. Look at the way this unfolds in verse 8 and following. It says, In the 18th year of Josiah's reign, when he had purged the land and the temple, he sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, Masiah, the governor of the city, and Joah, the son of Joaz, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord his God. When they came to Hilkiah, the high priest, they delivered the money that was brought into the house of God, which the Levites who kept the doors had gathered from the hand of Manasseh and Ephraim, from all the remnant of Israel, from all Judah and Benjamin, and which they had brought back to Jerusalem. Then they put it in the hand of the foreman who worked in the house of the Lord to repair and restore the house of the Lord. So here's what's happening. Now that the Israelites had put away their idols and their false gods and torn these things down out of their life, they had more money. They, they weren't spending their money on all of these other things. They weren't giving money to buy false idols and false gods. They had now money for the Lord's work. They had been spending all their money on all kinds of things that were putting ahead of God, but now these things had been cast out of their lives, and the Lord God was first place in their life. The idols were gone, and they had new resources in their lives they could give back to the Lord. Here's the application. American Christians, raise your hand if you are one, are the wealthiest generation of believers to have ever lived on planet earth. You right now today are the wealthiest believers on the face of this earth. American Christians. We have more money and more resources than any who have preceded us. And don't make any mistake about it, God has given us these resources to enable us to finance his evangelistic vision here at the end of world history. And I think one of the things God is going to judge the American church for is our failure to use the wealth that he has given us to support his work, not only right here in the River Valley, but all around the world. According to the Barna Research Group, only 6% of born-again Christians in America in America tithe. In the year 2000, 22 years ago, that number was 12%. In just 22 years, it's been cut in half. You've got 12% is pathetic. 6% makes me shake my head. Are you kidding me? 
God, God has been so good to us. So let's tear down the idols and let's give those resources back to God. You know what you're doing with your money? If you're not putting God first, you're wasting it. And you're never going to have enough. You can't outgive God. And if you do what God tells you to do, he is going to anoint that and bless that and bless you as well. You know, just as a side note, let me show you how all this works as a side note. The last Sunday of this month, I think it's August 28th, is World Mission Offering for Free Will Baptist. Our Free Will Baptist International Missions Department asked every church to give a special offering that day for world missions. Over the last several years, what we've done here at Kavanaugh Church is just given everything on that particular Sunday to world missions. I call it a give it all Sunday. So on the last Sunday of this month, everything you give is going to go to world missions. Now, other preachers ask me, how can y'all do that? I mean, you get 52 Sundays in a year, and just technically speaking, I mean, what, what would happen in your home if you, you get paid 52 times a year? What, what would happen if you took one of those weeks and, and did away with it? You, did, you didn't use that as your expense money. Would, would it make it difficult for you? Church, churches are even more difficult. So I have preacher friends, I, how can y'all do that at Kavanaugh Church? And some of you may ask the same question. How in the world can you do that? Well, I don't know. We just do it. The first, Stacy, the first year we did that, we exceeded budget that year. On 51 weeks of giving, that was the first year we ever exceeded our budget. Can I tell you something? You can't outgive God. Let's, let's try harder to outgive God. So the last Sunday of this month, you come with your regular offering and then add something to it, and let's give it to God. Let's give it to missions. Let's see what happens. When you put God first place in your life, let me tell you, you're going to have a few extra resources to invest in kingdom work. And I don't, I don't know the outcome of our world mission offering the last Sunday of this month, but I can only imagine... Maybe one day in heaven, somebody come up to you from Japan and say, hey, I want to thank you for giving to World Mission Offering on August the 28th, 2022. Because of the gift you gave at Kavanaugh Free Will Baptist Church, they were able to do a special event in Japan, and through that event, I got saved. It could happen. When we cast out the idols in our life, we have renewed resources, not only in money, but in focus, in time, and in energy to give back to the Lord's work. And then what happened? Well, number five, revival unleashes the power of the Word of God. As the temple of God was being renovated and restored, a very profound and far-reaching discovery was made. Look at verse 14. Now, when they brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord, which had been given to Moses. Then Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. 
And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and Shaphan carried the book to the king. I don't know how many years they had been missing the word of God, but it had been a long time since anyone had read God's word. And now it was rediscovered. And the priest took the word of God and gave it to the king. And a very interesting thing happened. I'm, I'm going to open my Bible and I'm going to try to read these little bitty words. My goodness, I'll tell you what. Then the king sent and gathered all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. The king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the Levites and all the people, great and small. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which had been found in the house of the Lord. You know what? I think they were hungry to hear God's word. First time many of them had ever heard the word of God read. Then the king stood in his place and he made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all of his heart and with all of his soul to perform the words of the covenant that were written in the book. He, he, just, he went to the altar that day and before all the people and all all, all the, the hosts of the Lord and God himself, he made a covenant. I'm going to be faithful to God. The rest of my days, I am going to be faithful to the Lord. Well, tomorrow I turn 61, so I want to do it today. I make that same covenant. I, I don't know how many years the Lord's going to give me to live my life and to continue to preach and minister, but you know what? I want to be found faithful through all those years to do God's will. And he made all the people who were present in Jerusalem and Benjamin take a stand. So the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. Thus Josiah removed all the abominations from all the country that belonged to the children of Israel and made all who were present in Israel diligently serve the Lord their God. All of his days they did not depart from following the Lord God Almighty, the God of their fathers. And notice the people took a stand and they made a commitment that day. They were going to follow the Lord. Now here's something really significant. As we study this in chronological fashion, we realize that it was during this revival, in this meeting, that Daniel the prophet, committed his life to the Lord. He came out of this revival. He was a product of the revival in the days of Josiah. And so were his compatriots, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Revival is God's way of launching a brand new generation of workers into his kingdom. It's God's way of flicking out with revival force a new era of dedicated servants. One man said it this way, that during a time of revival, the church can accomplish in a few weeks and even a month what it would take years and decades to do otherwise. And what is significant to me, it says in this passage that the people of Jerusalem and Benjamin took a stand that day. It was a stand they maintained for the rest of their days. And as I thought about that, I started wondering, 
if there might be somebody in this room who would be willing to take a stand for God today. I wonder if someone here wants to tear down some idols and cast out some false gods in their own life. I got to wondering if somebody here wanted to be that willing person, that man, that woman, that teenager who brings revival, if God wills, to a brand new generation. I got to wondering if there would be somebody in this room who would allow that to happen in your heart. Church, it's time we begin praying for revival in a real way. We need revival in our own lives. You probably need revival in your home. I think we are experiencing some very good days at Kavanaugh Church. God's blessing us. God's blessing this church. My dad said something to me yesterday. He said, you know what? I, I kind of believe that old, that old saying, if you build it, they'll come. We built it and people are coming. Maybe right now we are in the process of the beginning of a revival. We need revival in our church. We need revival in this region. Our country needs revival. Our world needs revival. So maybe today you need to come and give your heart to Jesus. Maybe today the Holy Spirit is convicting you and you need to be forgiven of your sins. Maybe today you need to come and take a stand for God and ask forgiveness for the sins you have committed in your life. Maybe today you need to come dedicating yourself to be the carrier and the conveyor of revival. Maybe you need to come today and ask God to breathe fresh life in your home, your life, and in this church. I don't know about you, and I really don't know what you're going to do, but I can tell you I'm going to pray for it today. I'm going to pray that God renew me, revive me, my home, my ministry, and that God would use me in these last days in a greater way than he's ever used me before. Would you pray the same? Heavenly Father, I pray that you would move in this room as only you can. I pray, dear Lord, that as your Holy Spirit speaks, we would have open ears and hearts and that we would not only hear, but we would respond. I pray that the altars would be full today of people who are hungry for you, people who are seeking your face. Lord, for those who need to be saved, I pray they come. For those who need to be renewed and revived, may they come and seek your face and ask you for it today. Lord, do something special. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand, heads bowed and eyes closed, and as soon as you stand up, why don't you step out? Let's come and pray. Let's pray for revival today. Would you? Would you come?
If you have kids who are going back to school, going off to college, bring them to the altar. And as a family, pray. Pray that God would protect them and that he would build a hedge of protection around them and that he would use them on their campus to be a witness for him. Let's pray for our teenagers and our children. As we sing one more verse, would you come and pray? name of Jesus today we lift high his name and Jesus I pray that you would help us to humble ourselves to pray to seek your face to turn from our wicked ways so that you will hear from heaven you will forgive our sins and you will heal our land help us dear Lord to be a bright light for you use us in your kingdom and bring revival to our land. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thanks for being here today, for listening. May a spirit of revival renew your life. Last Sunday, we had uh, our Gideon with us, Brad Lewis. He did an outstanding job. I just want to give you a report and tell you how much you helped give to buy Gideon Bibles last week. This church gave $5,191 to buy Bibles for the Gideons. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, as you leave today, make sure you put your offering in that black box. Tune in tonight at 6.30. You'll hear Brother Johnny bring a Bible lesson. Come back Wednesday at 7, and we're going to have things for all ages. Thursday at 11.30 a.m., our prime timers are going to meet. And they're going to have an awesome time. Brother Nathan bit my ear this past week. You know, the teens inherited our old worship center. And it is full of pews, okay? Remember those pews that you sit in for years? He wants to remove all the pews and replace them with chairs. And so he's wanting to give you a pew. It, we're calling it Pick Up a Pew. And I got to thinking, you know, so some of y'all are, are really affectionate towards a particular pew over there because you spent so many years sleeping in it. So uh, go pick out your pew. Brother Nathan will help you get it out of here. Really, all they're asking is just a donation. They're not charging you for them, just a donation. If you'd like to give like $25 for a pew, uh, that will go to help them remodel the place over there. So keep that in mind. See, see Brother Nathan about that. Remember, World Mission Offering is the last Sunday of this month. 
Uh, September is right around the corner, and we got a lot of great things planned for September. Uh, one thing is we're going, we're renewing, reviving, reorganizing our Bible studies and small groups, and they're going to be rekindled in the month of September. Who's excited about that? It's going to be fantastic. Going to be fantastic. Look, I'm going to interrupt you. Okay, he he showed up last service and totally surprised me. <laughs> Chairman of Kavanaugh Church Board, Steve Jones. Give Steve a big hand, would you? It, uh, it's my privilege to represent everybody. And on behalf of everybody, we want to thank you for 25 years, not only for what you've given us, but your whole family. Uh, it's quite a dedication. I, I don't really have words to say enough. But my wife said something real simple. She said, it's been 25 years of awesomeness. <laughs> and so I, I would agree with that. When our last pastor left, we had a short board meeting. There was one name talked about. It was Will Harmon. We knew who the right man was. Not because we were smart, but because God had unprepared us. There was no discussion. And... We bugged you and bugged you. We took turns calling you. <laughs> Every week we took a turn. Let's, let's bug Will. And we finally got you up here. And in true Steve Tabor fashion, he said, well, we found out you're not, your gift is not discernment. <laughs> but I would have to disagree with that. <laughs> but you just have to know Steve. So on behalf of the church, we appreciate everything that you've given us. And hope you can give us 25 more. <laughs> L little did we know when you came that you would bring with you the best praise and worship leader that we could possibly have. Mm -hmm. So in this, in this sack is letters and cards from everybody to show how much you mean to us. Mm -hmm. And this is just another token of appreciation to go on your actual anniversary to go with the Israel trip. Uh, we wanted to do something on your, on your actual anniversary. And so thank you very much. Mm, thank you, Steve. We, we can never repay you. Mm. Thank you, buddy. Thank, thank you. you. I mean that. Thank you. Thank you. And you can keep it this time. <laughs> thank you, my friend. <laughs> thank you. God bless you. I'll let you hold that in, too. Yeah. Oh, y'all stop it. Y'all stop it. Thank Thank you very much. Be seated just for a second. I'm not, I'm not going to take a lot of time, but I do want to say thank you. It, it has been an incredible 25 years, and I, I can't believe it's been 25 years. Can you? Uh, Callie was just a little bitty baby. Zane wasn't even thought of, and Whitney was eight years old. Things, time flies, and uh, I want to thank you for your love, your support, and your confidence. Um, the former pastor, Brother Carl, who was my pastor as a boy in Midland, Texas, was here for 28 years, which is absolutely incredible. And the only reason he left is because God called him to be the president of Randall University, all right? And, and now I've been here 25 years. Uh, you know what? That really doesn't say anything about Brother Carl or Will Harmon. What that says is a great deal about you. What a fantastic, unbelievable, wonderful body of Christ. What a wonderful church Kavanaugh is. 
my only claim to fame in the 25 years that I've been here is that I haven't messed things up too bad, right? Uh, yeah, and that may be debatable. Um, you know, I, I really don't know how many more years I have. I, I would like to be able to spend the rest of my ministry right here, you know, however many years that is. I will promise you this, uh, when I no longer love it, nor am I able to do it, I'll walk away from it. Uh, but if God gives me the, the energy and the ability, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to keep preaching and pastoring and leading this awesome, wonderful church. But here's what I want. I want these last years, however many or few they are, I want them to be the best years. We can do that, can't we? We can do that together. One, one last thing I tell people all the time, they might fire me, but they'd never fire Miss Angie. So thank you for being such an awesome, awesome congregation. Thank you for your love, your support. Uh, couldn't do this without you. I, I want to leave you with one final prayer request. Brian Brooks, who is a wonderful man and member of our church, his mom and dad were involved in a horrible automobile accident in northwest Arkansas this past week. His mama was killed in that car wreck. Uh, his dad was in the hospital in ICU, and this morning he passed away and went to heaven as well. Um, so pray for Brian and Jennifer, their family. Uh, his sister was driving that vehicle, and she was injured but is okay now. Pray for the Brooks family. Would you do that? And let's pray for each other. We need that, don't we? Thank you for being an awesome church. Stand up and give yourself a hand. And then get out of here. Get out of here. God bless you.